0: Welcome to the Monday Morning Critic Podcast. This is episode 170 with film score composer Dustin O'Halloran. Dustin's filmography includes Lion. He won an Emmy for Transparent. His first opportunity came with Sofia Coppola and Marie Antoinette. Dustin has also worked with Katy Perry, the late, great, and his friend, Johan Johansson. He has scored the Nike commercials that featured Colin Kaepernick, the ones that were very popular. I want to say a few years back. So Dustin's done some pretty fantastic work. He is considered by most to be one of the best composers on the planet, uh, including yours truly. Most interviews on the Monday Morning Critic podcast drop, in fact, on Monday, usually late Monday or late Sunday night. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. Um, if you want to get a hold of me on Twitter, it's MDM Critic. On Instagram, it's Monday Morning Critic. My website is mmcpodcast.com. That's mmcpodcast.com. If you want to drop me an email, it's Critic at gmail.com. Interviews can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Uh, there's so many places they are located. Everywhere there's podcasts, you'll find the Monday Morning Critic podcast. And finally, I have to say, I really have worked hard just getting guests that not only move me, But I think that you guys would find interesting from composers to actors to directors to trailblazers, people that really have changed not only my world, but the world itself Um, in a time where there's so many podcasts out there. And that's both a good and a bad thing. It's good because you hear an eclectic bunch of voices and takes and, and, and people come from different perspectives, which is great. But but on the other hand, you also have a lot of fluff and stuff that just is borderline unlistenable. And hopefully, this is not that. But I do work very very hard putting together a product that I really believe that I would listen to if it wasn't me on this side of the microphone. I certainly believe it. Um, my guest quality, from, starting from episode one to now we're at 170, uh, I think is just truly um, amazing. And I, I would put my guest list against any podcast on the planet. And that includes some of the podcasts you see in the top five um, on the iTunes charts. I would put my guest quality against that. And, and I'm not being arrogant or you know conceited. It's just, I feel like my hard work and Getting some really some pretty special people on the podcast to come on and just chat with me and just kind of we, we look at things from different perspectives. I spend a lot of time formulating, researching, and, and getting innovative questions. It's really important to me, and I hope that that translates in my interviews. And I really. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening to my podcast, for continuing to come back when new episodes are dropped. I really appreciate it. Without wasting any more of your time, here is a film composer, the very talented, the very kind, Dustin O'Halloran. My next guest is an award-winning composer. His work in Lion is one of the most stunning, emotionally driven soundtracks I've ever heard in my life. Please welcome Dustin O'Halloran. Dustin, thank you for being on the
1: show today. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So there's so much to your life. I mean, and, and, uh, for, for the sake of your sanity, I, I, I think I've broken it down a little bit. So you're born in Arizona, and you spend a lot of time between Hawaii and L.A. Do I have that part right?
1: Uh, yeah, my uh, my father had a scuba dive business in Kauai, and, uh, and my mom lived in Los Angeles. And so I was always splitting my time between the two.
0: Yeah, and your mom, you know, you've kind of always been, when I did research on your life, Dustin, you've always been surrounded by the arts, I feel like. I feel like it's always been a big part of your life. Um, Does it start, I mean, I know a lot of things you read online say self-taught, and I completely believe that, but I also read something about, you know, you learn playing a little bit at the church. And so how how does your love kind of formulate in the early goings? How does that take
1: place? Yeah, well, I had, you know, I had, some er, just like early lessons in in church from the church organist. It was my mom's church. And, and, um, and she was just really supportive and in letting me actually compose and get into that. And I was just learning the basics, but the real part of me learning to play the piano was when I was on my own and I really just studied and I, where I really, Sort of had to really teach myself to to actually play. I, I, I don't really consider myself a pianist, really, <laughs> even though I use a piano a lot in my compositions. I've never really thought of myself as a pianist because I feel like that—that's a space for you know the Glenn Goulds of the world, um, and that's not really what drives me. I'm not looking to be a virtuoso piano player. I use it as an instrument. Um, so for better or for worse, I, you know, my, my plane is limited and, and that maybe is reflected in my compositions in some way, well, but in some way, but I, um, I just try to learn as much as I can. And, and, uh, I really tried to teach myself as much as I could. Um, uh, but, I, but I, I love the instrument as a, as a way to compose and, and, but I also, use a lot of instrument other instruments as well and have composed for orchestra and and electronics i mean it's it's sort of whatever is around or whatever i you know can get get my hands on really yeah,
0: and I have to say, I mean, I am so. I mean, I when it comes to scores and movie scores, I am really good about knowing who does what. But as far as the 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 nuts and bolts of it, I am I am weak to say the least. And I have to say though, from putting it all together, doing the research on your life, I, I, one of your strong points, and there are many, is your gift of of interpretation, your gift of putting your own touch on things. Is, is that a fair way of in- interpreting what I what I read? Is that is that fair, Dustin? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think I've always searched for a way to make my own sound or feel that i was and i think part of it isn't just it's not just the composition i've always recorded my own music and uh, i had a band for a long time with a singer named sarah love and we called our project DVX and we ended up recording for a british label called bella union that puts out records like fleet boxes and beach house and we did a lot of touring and, you know, I always recorded, I, you know, I was always involved in the recording a lot and creating the sounds and finding ways to record things. And so I think a big part of, you know, how I approach recording is also part of making things sound like me in a way as well. So that's mm. big. the production and is sort of been hand in hand with the with the composition, because it's about. Finding the sounds that I like that give also the the portray another layer of than just the music, which I think subconsciously everyone responds to that. But a lot of people don't, you know, maybe they don't think about it. But if you take a piano, you could take the same piano piece and record it on a Steinway and one of the most beautiful studios, and you could record it on a cheap upright with cheap microphones and a little bit of felt and the one that may get a more emotional response may be the cheap upright. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, there's some, you know, fragility and confidence and all of these things that are, that are translated through, through the recording. You know, sometimes you need the bass, sometimes you need the power of, of like something fine, a fine instrument and a beautiful room and sometimes you don't, sometimes it actually works against the piece so I think I've been a you know I've always been producing as long as well as as composing and for me they go very hand very much hand in hand
0: yeah, and you're clearly original and authentic in your pieces, and there's and there's a few that I really want to kind of touch on here because people that are listening to this are going to recognize them for sure. But I have to say, like, so from from my end, like, when I think of something funny or I'm doing a, an interview, I'm like, there's no way, and, and it's kind of, it kind of gets like a, a laugh or whatever. I'm like, there's no way I thought of that. Like, I feel like I heard it somewhere else, and, and subconsciously, you know, it came to me like it's somebody else's words, somebody else's joke. As a composer, I almost feel like if I, if I was a composer, i feel like i would have because i'm I'm a thomas newman fan i'm a fan of you i'm a fan of so many others i feel like if i was a composer i would subconsciously like not intentionally but use somebody else's a little bit of their rift a little bit of their piece is it tough on your end being not original because you clearly are but do you have to because i've had composers on before and they say that's a little bit of a struggle with them is it hard to kind of ignore pieces you've heard before? Because I've read a lot of your stuff, and and you you're respectful of a lot of the the composers that came before you, whether they score movies or they're, or they're pianists, whatever. You're, you're you're very respectful of that. But h- how do you separate their influence, their pieces, from what you're doing now? Does that make any sense? Or am I blabbering?
1: Uh, well, I think it's about you know I think it's 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 a difference between I don't think my I don't think that when I'm scoring films, I'm looking at other film scores. I look, I'm looking to like experimental music. I'm looking to, you know, farther Baroque music, uh, romantic music, you know, Debussy, uh, or, you know, I, so I think, you know, I listen to so much different music and I think that it's such an accumulation of all of those things. Um, and sometimes I just don't listen to music at all, and I just sort of experiment. Um, but uh, I, you know, I mean, everybody, every music is always a lineage of, of, of information that moves forward. I think that it's just how you distill it. I mean, you know, I mean, Chopin wouldn't exist without Mozart, and you know, all of these mm-hmm. things that you know, you know, you're referencing other past music all the time everybody everybody does that it's just i think it's just how you distill it it's not about copying it's about distilling it and and letting the dna come into you and 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 i think that that's um you know that's that 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 just happens naturally i think
0: um (sighs) You know, I, feel like, I feel like I phrased that poorly. Like it sounds like I'm saying copy. It's not what I meant. But like I guess influence is a better word. So like like you know when you listen to something, yeah. But what you're saying makes much more sense. Like the way you're phrasing it makes much more sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you know the work that Marconi did in the '60s and the '70s. His orchestrations are, are so clever, and you, you know you kind of get to study things like that and understand like why it works and 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 what's interesting about it. And then maybe you distill it and use some fragment of that later. But I think every, you know, that's all, you know, his work is, is based a lot on counterpoint, you know, and probably was influenced a lot by Bach and Bach was influenced by early music. And, you know, there's just so many, I mean, WC, there's a famous story of him, uh, experiencing this gamelan concert uh, from bali at the world's fair in paris and there were like 20 people there and those it was ravel it was Debussy, all these people and it just sort of changed their you know it was the first time they heard this sort of harmonic droney <laughs> 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 instrument and and it, it had a huge influence on the music of that period and so um i think you know now it's a h- age of hyper input and um i think but you know it's 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 music yeah i think you just have to follow you know your instincts and and i think um I, i you know i think we're always a thread in a much larger woven fabric so i think to to think anybody is like inventing anything is sort of ridiculous i think we're just all in it together
0: no, that's well said. That's really well said. And, and you know the, you know, looking at your life, there's tons of people that refer to your music, and, and, and you as an artist as you know, brilliant, captivating, profound. Does that ever get overwhelming? Does that like? Do you feel like you always have to live up to that, or is it just you know what? I'll do my thing. What people want to say about me is is up to them. But like, I, I just honestly like I, I wouldn't bring that up because I feel like it's a very Easy comment to kind of say to somebody that I'm interviewing, but it's true. With you, I felt like it it came up a lot. Like the 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 words describing your ability—I mean, they were overwhelmingly positive, and the words were very not only complimentary, but I feel like just really putting you in a category of your own.
1: Well, I'm I'm honored that. People think that, I, you know, I think we are artists are always there. You know, we're, we're our own harshest critics <laughs> and I go through different phases of, of liking moments of my music and then feeling that I you know want to grow and do better, do different things. Um, but I, I, you know, I just do my, I just try to follow the muse and I try to, to, to protect it. And I try to, Make sure that I'm exploring and going deep into the work. And and I'm glad that people can connect with it. And I connect with a lot of other artists' work. So I think that um, it's, uh, I think I I never think of myself as exceptional in respect to how many other great artists there are. Um, I think we just, I think it's just, if you're translating a, a form of genuine emotion, then I think that that's all you can hope for.
0: So I have to say, I, I found myself, I, was, uh, I I mentioned this a lot, I'm on the treadmill and, and, and my playlist, You Are at the Very Top, um, one one of the songs that moves me beyond belief is Atomos 7, um, you know, I don't think, like, it's embarrassing because I, there's this big fat guy crying on a treadmill listening to this song, <laughs> but but like, it, it moves me, like, and I'm going to get into context about why a little bit later, outside of the fact it's it's just a, a stunning piece, but are you ever moved? And this is going to sound like I'm, you're, I'm asking you to like if you're arrogant about your own music. But did you ever get? And I know in Lion you kind of did, but that was a collaborative effort in a different kind of situation. But are you ever moved so much by something that you create that not that you're like me and <laughs> overwhelming? But are, are, are you are you ever moved to tears? Are you ever moved to like my God that fits that works?
1: Well, I think that when you're making music, that's sort of when you, you know. That is, you know, if you're f- truly feeling it, then yeah. I mean, that's sort of the you know. I don't think making music that is moving others is meant in a, you know, is made in a feelingless <laughs> vacuum. So right. I think you're, you know, you get emotional. You find these things, and and it's. I think that's when you know you're on the right track is when you when you're feeling it yourself, and that's sort of my. Barometer of, of when I follow something, when I feel when I start to really feel it in my body, then I feel that I'm going in the right direction. That that's it's almost like, a, it's, almost like a self, it's almost like a
0: it's almost like a self barometer, <clears throat> Dustin. Is that is that a fair way of
1: like? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of artists uh, can you know are in touch with that, and I think that I you know it can get kind of I don't know. This is where things I think get a little bit maybe esoteric is when, uh, you know, when you're, when you're, when you feel like you're channeling a beautiful piece of music, you feel like a channel less than a uh, person that's in control of it. And I think that that's the emotional level of music is, is being able to just sort of be a channel to it and know when you're feeling it and to keep go you know, keep digging into that space. Um, I, I don't know, I listen back to pieces of music sometimes and I, I don't really understand where I came from. I don't, it, it's not always, I don't write in this sort of very conscious, it's more of a subconscious way. So, um, yeah, I think that that's sort of the difference between film work and writing for myself is film work is, is a much more conscious you know, the decisions are much more conscious and you they have to be because they're dealing with a story and they're more, um, there's more, um, uh, parameters that you have to work in. It's it's, there's edits and dialogue and there's a lot of things that have to work around it. So, you can't just kind of go off into like a, mm, mm. You know, a subconscious space and just write exactly what you want to write. It's you, so it's always it's a challenge to like bring that to film. I think um, Lion was a real exception because most of that music was written not to picture. So we ended up doing a few things to picture, but a lot of it was just sort of written in a, in a different space and you know bringing a lot of real emotions that. Volker and I connected with, he was the coast Volker Bertelman, co mm-hmm. scored that with me. And, you know, we just kind of, you know, we were go- kind of digging, excavating our souls a little bit for that film, much more than most films. And, um, you know, the thematic, and it was such a, the film had such a resonating sort of real emotion. I'm like, I like, can't tell you how many people <laughs> wrote to me when that, when that film came on an airplane. I think there's something about airplanes just, people just cry a lot more on airplanes than they do. <laughs> and I had so many people text me and say they were stuck in the bathroom because they had just their puffy eyes from crying. Or, you know, that movie came on and <laughs> they got embarrassed because they were crying out <laughs> control of so They had to go to the bathroom and, but uh, you know that was a that was an effect of the story and the music together the story is just such a powerful real story and the music together so i mean it worked really well and it doesn't always happen like that so no. I, mean, I was you know that was, that was a special one for me
0: yeah i i have a, believe me i have a few questions about lying but i have to say why why you mentioned it there, there's you know once you know um Atomos seven enters and then you kind of see the train track scene and then it pans out i mean at that point i think i'm crying so hard i might be close to being unconscious like i i just but but i'm gonna get into the importance uh, of that. yeah it's just it's just beautiful but i have to ask you a couple terms so when you say to picture that means you've seen the movie with obviously without any music and then you yeah okay and you guys decide okay this would go here this goes there is that is that a, is that correct
1: yeah you know there's a lot of discussion on how the music has to be shaped and you know a lot of it is um <sighs> um a, a lot of it is 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 based on just discussions with the director and 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 if we've created something sometimes you it just works and it you know it sort of shifts the scene there's a lot of back and forth but the but i but that film particularly the, the best way to make the film feel authentic was to just not was to watch the film and then write not looking at the film because right. it felt like looking at the film would make you know make me want to write to the film and and the whole the what really needed to happen was that the music was just coming from us from a really genuine place and that combined would be effective and so Garth really put us you know was like trying to really push us to go there to really give a lot of ourselves and to find these subtle you know these really subtle emotions that that uh that you can't always just pull up on command so
0: and it's amazing because and i'm not just saying this. i'm speaking with you but that that score is one not only one of the best i've heard in the last decade uh last 10 years 15 years but it's so nice I, i imagine from your point of view to have a director that is so pro-score and not just, you know what, create some music and go on your way, but appreciates yeah. music, appreciates, you know, what goes on in, in the soundtrack. Like that to me, if you're if you're a composer, that's got to mean the world to you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a very, I mean, that was, I think it was one of my favorite f- films I got to work on because of that. It gave it so much space and um, really helped push push us there so it was definitely uh you know it's not always like that
0: the other term i wanted to ask you about <clears throat> and i, I don't want to google it because i feel like that was a cheap way out but what does prepared piano mean and i'm sorry if these questions sound like super basic but like i feel like a lot of people hear them but they don't actually
1: know yeah. what they mean well hauschka uh, Volker Bertelmann, who did the score with me he he's been working with prepared piano for most of his career and prepared piano is basically putting objects and pieces inside the piano between the strings and the hammer inside the resonating board. Uh, it's just, it just turns the piano into a different sounding instrument than what it traditionally was was meant for. Oh and um, yeah, uh, John Cage is sort of the maybe the the godfather of the prepared piano, but I'm sure before that there was probably people experimenting with it but he's the one that kind of brought it to modern music
0: gotcha and in 2004 you kind of released your first solo artist you know piano solos then in 2011 you you know you you have a project that includes some pretty important people um there's a song, you know, uh, we move lightly. Great song um, that's used in a Nike commercial. Um, but you work with two people that are pretty. I don't want to say vital in your life because I'm not going to interpret what people mean to you. But I have to believe they are. One is Adam. Um, yeah. Uh, and and the epic and the absolutely phenomenal uh, uh, Johan Johansson. Did I pronounce his name right? Uh huh okay and he is just phenomenal so you have an opportunity there in 2011 to work with two people that one of which you know you, you continue to work with the other of which is just an absolute icon um when it came to movie scores the very you know the, the late legendary uh johann talk a little bit about those two people and how they impacted your life not only in 2011 but moving forward
1: dustin well um i met adam Wiltzi when i was living in italy and he was touring with a band called Sparkle Horse and we met and became friends and uh, ended up kind of sharing music I moved to Berlin and uh, previous to moving to Berlin I actually met Johan in London and we became friends and um, sort of simultaneously Adam came out to Berlin and we started working on some music together we decided to give it a try and I was finishing my solo record lumiere and johan mixed it for me and we worked together a bit on that and so i mean those have been big friendships and big musical friends uh, and collaborators i shared a studio with Johann johansson and and uh, hildur de tier for 10 years in berlin and uh, I just recently moved my studio from Berlin. And uh, it was, a, you know, a very important time. It was uh, I, to, to be able to work with such great artists and be around each other. And Johan was an incredible composer. He was one of my best friends. Um, it's a huge loss in my life. And, and I think for just musically so um yeah it's hard to quantify that one but uh one of the he, very
0: few people that you know he was an he was an absolute legend you know musically but like i feel like as a human being he was just as good and it's like Yeah, i'm so sorry for your loss you know he just yeah yeah i think people lo- i think people still do they love him to death and it's just you know a huge loss but you know what? And, and, and if there's if there is a ray of, you know, uh, hope here or, or, or light, it's the fact that his music will live on and people will be able to appreciate music from an absolute legend.
1: Yeah. Well, we, you know, we when he passed away, he had a concert booked in Spain for the Primavera Festival. And um, all of us and all the people who've worked with him, we decided to play the concert for him in his honor. And so we had to f- compile all the music and sort of figure out how to play all the music and, and get everything together. And it was one of the most beautiful, moving concerts. And 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 it was—I thought it was going to be a very sad moment, but it actually was so beautiful because I realized he the way he constructed his music and the, and and he had so much but notated that it can live on and other people can perform it. And we performed a really beautiful concert of his music without him. And I I, I felt like, I mean, the thing that I realized with music is that when it's in the air and when it's happening, that person's spirit is evoked. And, uh, it was so strong and to, and to realize that, that, you know, it, his music can continue on is is i think that is a it's very it's very special and really unique so
0: yeah that's beautifully said dustin i I completely agree and you know for those of you listening if you're wondering about what some of johan's work uh just off the top of my head theory of everything sicario uh and prisoners is one of the best soundtracks that uh that I've heard, certainly. Um, yeah, absolute legend. You know, I wish that happened more, Dustin. I wish – we heard on Hans Zimmer. We did a um, – we went to a concert where they played the Game of Thrones, and I forget his name off the top of my head. But I wish composers would do that more. Like, I wish, I wish you were on the East Coast kind of doing, like, you know, just, you know, place to place, but obviously you're doing other projects. But I wish it happened more on a whole where film score composers kind of brought – it, it is happening more – but I, I would love to sit in front of uh, you know a Thomas Newman you uh, whomever and just listen to just like this legendary music. I, I hope it's picking up steam because I'm I'm really cheering for it to pick up steam.
1: Well, my project "A Winged Victory for the Sullen" with Adam is going to be on tour in the U.S. in in March and April. Oh, so very cool. Yeah. So you should um, if you go to. Wing victory for the dot You can get all of the dates.
0: So, and I have to say to you, I can promise you if it's in if it's in within a thousand miles of me, I promise you, I will be there. I give you my word. Um, <laughs> I promise. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, and I have to say, so you know, looking at that, um, so I looked at, I, I continually listening to, to the Lion soundtrack. Um, how does that work? I, I was kind of confused with this because. Um, I, I hope i 'm pronouncing this correctly it'sHmo Seven is one of the most powerful pieces I, I think i 've ever heard and it's, it's it appears in the movie, not on the soundtrack H- How does that work? like just piecing that together um I, I know there 's probably other things involved with it but but I have to say it 's just such a great part because I feel like there 's elements of that song in the movie and, and, and vice versa. Um, talk a little about that if, if you 're able to.
1: Uh, well, that's actually, that's a piece that I, that, uh, I wrote with Adam Wilsey as a wing victory for the sullen. So that was taken. That was an existing piece of music that we wrote for a dance piece for a choreographer named Wayne McGregor from London. He is the resident choreographer for the London Royal Ballet. And he also has a, um, he has a contemporary dance company that he's been doing for for many many years, and he could, uses that as a place to really experiment with ideas and 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 music is a big part of it. And he asked us to do um, to do this piece called Atomos, and it was based on the formation of atoms and inner space and and outer space and sort of there was a lot of sort of big themes to it. Um, and we wrote a seventy minute dance piece and so that's taken from that
0: yeah and, and it's really just the, the entire album I, I keep singling out seven only because I, i'm getting to lion but the entire album works really well i mean and there's it's just the whole thing works um but your, your early start was with sophia coppola and uh marie antoinette um uh, was that an overwhelming way to kind of start your? it's your first and if I'm misspeaking please correct me it's your first real big introduction into um, film composing um, are, are you overwhelmed are you shocked what are your feelings when when you receive that kind of um, honor to do that
1: yeah well, I mean it was it was kind of out of the blue and I was living in Italy at the time and and um there wasn't, you know, my solo work was just a very small blip in, in, and I was just, I just made one record and it was just sort of an, um, you know, I, it was an experiment, really. I was just sort of, wasn't even sure if I was going to release it because I just didn't feel, I, you know, I did, wasn't sure if I felt really confident about my playing and the recording. And I ended up just releasing it just kind of as a, I, I didn't know, I, I didn't really know where it was going to go. So it was, yeah, it was, I was a little bit, surprised to, to get that to get that call um and I, I always really liked her movies a lot especially the music uh so i got i was inspired and she sent me a book of, of photographs and a, a kind of lookbook and and the story and just the all the mood that she was looking for and so i just ended up just sort of writing a lot of music a lot of that music ended up being my second solo record because i just sat there and (laughs) wrote so much music um and in the end she just used a few pieces for the for her film but uh it was nice i mean i got you know it was a good way to kind of start and understand because her process was very different she she was wanted all the music before she was filming so she wanted to have all the music sort of understood what pieces she wanted before she was even filming and that's pretty unusual so it was uh I got lucky to just kind of experience that process and then uh and then yeah and that was just sort of the start starting point
0: and and I would have to mention for those listening that you had some work with Katy Perry early on as well is that do I have that factually correct uh
1: yeah I mean that was um that was a couple years ago wasn't that long ago she Asked me to produce a track off of a record, the last record she did, and um, it was a um, uh, song she had written with this band called Hot Chip. <laughs> and she just wanted to be she she was she really loved my records. It was like a genuine, just sort of like she loved my records and just wanted to see if I could what I could do with it. And so I, I kind of accepted the challenge. I'd never really done anything like that before, and I just thought. <laughs> It could be fun <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was fun I, you know absolutely and, yeah so I ended up um, sort of just reworking the whole piece of music and, and just figuring out what I could do with it and she loved it, and and I made the record. So, so to me, fun.
0: yeah, I mean, to me, just looking from the outside, I mean, your work with her, you know, we talked, we moved lately. We talked about your work with Johan, and, and I know if I if I could ask him today what he thinks of you, um, I, I I think the comments would be off the chart. I think he w- w- would say you're you're the talent that I know you to be, and uh, it seems like you mentioned your band earlier. You're really. You're doing well in a lot of different areas, in a lot of different ways. I mean, that's to be eclectic, to be that, I don't know, um, multifaceted, um, that can only benefit you moving forward, right, Dustin? To have that, I mean, again, I'm asking you to, <laughs> I, I hope to yeah. not be arrogant, but like, but that's, a, but that's a good thing, right? That you're, that you could do this many different things. And, and I haven't even brought up Lion yet, which I'm going to gush over, but like, that's a great thing, Dustin, to be that, I don't know, that, open to different things.
1: Well, I try to, you know, I try to, um, I like exploring different things. And, uh, and I think that, you know, I try to find my place in it and, and, uh, you know, there's probably things that I won't explore, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I like I like challenges, and I and I think that I try to keep a thread of honesty of like what what, what I'm doing that it's you know that I'm honest to like to my path. Um, but sometimes you know you get you want to explore a little bit and get pushed a little bit, and uh, it's it, it's interesting. I always learn. I learn things, and then I can take it back to my own music, and and I love collaborating. Collaborating is just such a uh, you know, it's such a, uh, a fruitful endeavor when you have great collaborators because you just learn so much. And, uh, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite things.
0: So, and, and I'm not sure every composer, and I love composers. I'm not sure every composer would say the same thing. And that's the, I think your mindset is the healthy mindset to have that, you know, you're always learning. And it's always a positive in that way. So, you know, that, that's how I feel anyway. Um, so you're. Le- I know you have a respect for legends of the past. Is there a, is there a movie or two you've seen recently where you were blown away by the score?
1: Um, I'm just trying to think of the. Uh, I I really love the score for um a ghost story. I'm trying to remember his name.
0: Oh, it's um, uh, a, a Casey. Is that Casey Affleck? Is that do I have the right movie? Yeah.
1: Um. It's Daniel Hart. I I, I I I don't know that one. That one really stuck out for me. I thought that was a really great score. I thought it, I don't know why it didn't get, uh, you know, didn't get awards. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, Mika Levy also. I mean, the score that she did for um, Under the Skin, I thought was just like. Um, I don't know, that one like came out of nowhere, and it was a really powerful, interesting, minimalist score that was really effective. I think everybody really, you know, I think she kind of, you know, changed the game a little bit with that. Um, and uh, also, I really loved uh, Hildur to tears score that she just did for Joker. She's oh, a dear great. friend of mine, yes. so I'm a little bit partial. But but she did. She's such an amazing artist, and I know how hard she works. And I was there when she was like working on a lot of that score, and I see how much she puts into it. It and so I have an even greater appreciation for the depths of like where she goes. But but but, I but mean, here's sure here's work the thing. on Chernobyl is amazing as well.
0: Yeah, like Cher- okay, Chernobyl's an awesome example. Like Joker, it's a great example as well because. It's a phenomenal score, and it's like I almost feel like cinematography and um, uh, uh, scores are almost underappreciated because her work in that movie really fuels it. It really kind of pushes it along. It really gives the movie some life. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like it's it's a cinematography and, and, and soundtracks are are kind of specifically scores are kind of um, underappreciated
1: if, if if I could say that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you know it's interesting that uh, you know that the a uh, music helps actors act in a way that nobody realizes. Right. So, I mean, the the wrong music can make a performance look silly. I mean, it really uh, you know it's such a fine line of like how it's perceived. So, I think that. Um, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with the uh, with the performance of the actors. It creates the tonality, and it and, and it really has a strong effect on how things are are felt. So, um,
0: yeah. So, are you ever lost? Uh, so, when you, you watch know, like the Joker, well, Joker is not a good example because because we've thought... But let's say uh, any other movie, where you, where you see a great score, are you often so focused on the score that you, that that the not that it takes away from the movie but you're like wow that's a really great piece and you're kind of you kind of mentally lose what's happening with the dialogue or the actors are you are you ever lost in that regard because your your appreciation and I know you work a lot so I, I it's not like you're watching movies all day I get that too but um are are you ever so lost in a musical piece that that, that happens
1: um i don't know i mean y- y- you know i think um it's every film is so different you know it's really hard to every project feels really different it's I'm always amazed at how um you know you get better at understanding how how to make it work but you also every every director and every film is really unique in some way so um it's hard to say I don't know that that's a tough one to answer just in a simple answer
0: um, no, it's it's a fair answer, and I, I I I would see that. But let me ask you. So we, we get into line a little bit here. Um. So so the scene on the tracks for me, the last, actually the whole last ten minutes of the movie is just it's scored beautifully throughout. But the last ten move, ten minutes, I feel like, is so driven by the score. It is so beautifully you know just put out there. What is it with your rapport with Volker that really makes that work so well? Because you had a quote. And I have to say, it's one of my most favorite quotes I've ever read from a guest. And where you talked about how, and I don't think I have the specifics of it here, but you were you were talking about how, you know, just scoring the movie, you were very emotional throughout the whole movie. And it was, it was just moving. And I, I don't know, is it, is it, is is there, is it tough for you to do that? Is it, you know, I don't know, to me, it seems...
1: Well, that film touched me in a way that most films don't. I mean, that film brought up so many things about love and distance. And, you know, that, uh, I don't know, that just, that, that film really had a, I felt much more than most films in that way. Because it just, I mean, there were moments where I was just feeling this film. And, the like, they're just such big emotions. And, and yeah, that was, that one was, there were just moments where I really was touched by the by the story,
0: yeah, you had said there was there was a lot of tears in making that. I just thought it was just such a genuine, honest moment that you don't also always hear from people. But you know, I mentioned the last ten minutes that for me it was the train tracks and just hearing that score and just just watching these actors just do their things. The kid is there a scene for you that pushes you over the top as far as emotions? Is there a scene that? And it's probably an unfair question because you scored the entire movie, but is there a scene for you that just kind of? does it for you where it's just, it triggers emotion immediately?
1: I don't know. I, I mean, I guess the, the, uh, I mean the, when he, the moment when he's reunited with his mom is just like such a powerful moment in the movie. And I, that was always a really powerful moment to score. <sighs> um, yeah. There was a lot of moments, <laughs> uh, but yeah. And, and, and the, the main theme that the theme that kind of becomes the main theme of the film was something that we worked on for a while, but that was more not to picture. It was just more about the emotion of the film and the sentiment of the film and this idea of being separated from, from the ones you love and trying to find them. And, and, uh, and I think that I think that it, that's, such a metaphor is literally lost you know from their family but that that feeling of 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 loss is is such a powerful thing it it gets translated in so many ways for people and i think that that's why that film resonated with people yeah that just sort of true love that you feel for people that has that is sort of a spiritual boundless love and that no, I think that's what he kind of captured in that movie.
0: And it it's absolutely amazing how the way you guys scored it to how it turned out. It's almost like it fit like a glove. And that's and I feel like that's even an understatement. I mean, it's so amazing how appropriate and beautiful and overwhelming that score is. I mean, I, I can't tell you that enough.
1: And I'm sorry. Yeah, thank I'm, you. Sorry if I'm gushing. Thank you very here. much. No, no. I, well, I I haven't heard that in a while from Lion, so <laughs> it's nice.
0: <laughs> no, and I have to say, you know, people think I'm a weirdo. I know it because I'm on a treadmill. I'm watching Lion. I'm appreciating your score, but th- I'm telling you, man, there's a piece where they're backing away. They're, they're, they're back. It's towards the end of the movie, and, and 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 your your music is playing, and it's I don't know. Like I just there's no words for it. Like so so when I get away from things, I throw on your music. I throw on Thomas Newman. I throw on some of my, my my favorite composers. What do you do to get away from a long day? Because I know, as we're talking now, you're taking a break to talk to me. I know you're going to go back to doing being busy as hell as you know as you as you usually are. What do you do to get away from things? What is there music you put on? Do you get away from music? How, how do you handle that part of it?
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, it gets harder to to um, to listen to music at the end of the day when you've worked on music. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and. I go, I, it's interesting the, the I, in the morning I'll sort of, if I have time or, uh, I'll maybe spend a little bit of time listening to, you know, some classical music or something that sort of starts me and then I'll work at the end of the day. The only thing that I'm listening to now, strangely is I, I got really, I got really into, uh, old jazz again, but just, I've been buying records I got this really nice old vinyl player and and it just, the old jazz sounds so good on this vinyl player. So I've sort of gotten back into to, to that. Um, and it's somehow a, a sort of uh, musical sorbet for the day. <laughs> it just there's <laughs> clears kind of my head. Um, and, um, but then I turn it off. I, I think that I can only handle so much music each day. So sometimes silence is, 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 is better.
0: Yeah, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention your award-winning work on Transparent. Phenomenal music there. Um, is, is there anything you have coming up, Dustin? I've, I've kept John long enough. I've, you, you're just—I'm so blessed to be able to speak with you today. Thank you for that. Anything coming up? Anything? How can people listen to you? I know you have a website. Anything you want to throw out there?
1: Um, no, just uh, the. Thank you for anybody who's listening and uh, it's always appreciated. I, I think that um, I, I feel grateful that I'm able to to make music uh, as a living and, and it's, it doesn't go unnoticed that that's because of people who listen. So
0: thank you. Yeah. And personally, I just wanted to say, you know, you, you, you change a lot of lives with music and, and the person at this end of the table is one. And yeah, it sounds you know like I'm gushing and I am certainly am, but it's sincere and it's honest and yeah, man, mean, thank you for your for your life's work. I, I I appreciate it and I and I can't wait for what's next for you.
1: Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate that.